Today we're wrapping up the series on Genesis. Now Genesis is the first book in your Bible. It's an, I think in some ways it can be an underrated book of the Bible. I think for many of us Christ followers, we just naturally, myself included, put such an emphasis on the New Testament. But I've been finding such a depth and richness as well in the Old Testament or the First Testament. And Genesis has become one of my favorite books of the Bible. And um, it could easily have been a 50-part series, um, but we have made it a six-part Series And today, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 39. That'll give you a, a, a bit of space. We'll, we'll be in 39 a little bit. We'll fast forward to 41. We'll be in that kind of region of the book of Genesis. But um, as you turn there, I know you can multitask. Let me ask you a question. You ever had somebody turn the lights out on you? I had that twice today. Twice. I had uh, my wife accidentally just totally turn the lights out. Now, the good news is I had soap in my hand. I was in the shower, and so something tragic could have happened. But uh, thank God it didn't. And about, about um, I was about to say 15. I did not take a 15-minute shower. About five minutes later, my youngest daughter turned the lights out on me as well. I was like, wow, what is with you guys? How did you know I was preaching on Joseph? Joseph's story, if I can say this, is a parallel for... When somebody turns the lights out on you, you ever, you ever, you ever had that struggle or, or sometimes, come on, you may have even been in a church service before where the power goes out. You ever had that? (laughs) Thankfully, we've had that one time. We didn't like it, so we've never had it again. Praise God. But sometimes when the power goes out, it just changes the dynamic, right? Uh, If my batteries went out, it would change the dynamic. Of, of the service. And in a big way, you know what it's like when somebody just turns the lights out. It's a bit of a side swipe. It, it could have been intentional, like they could have planned it, all right, like my seven-year-old this morning. Or it could have been an accident, like they, they weren't even involved. Just something just swept you off your feet. When somebody turns the lights out, it can be a little hard to navigate. And I think about our lives There's seasons, there's moments, and Jesus even says in this world you will have trouble. One way of saying this is, hey guys, some point in time somebody's going to turn the lights out. Or to his disciples, blow the candles out. And you're going to be left with having to navigate a little bit in the darkness. I think it's a picture-perfect parallel to the life of Joseph. Joseph is... um, at the point that he came along, he was the, the youngest son of Jacob and Jacob's favored wife. Yeah, it's Old Testament, so there are a few wives going on. There's a few handmaids going on. It, it's the Old Testament, right? We don't promote that here uh, in the New Testament at Hillside or within American society, okay? I always like to make that point. But in the Old Testament, it is uh, what were the cultural standards at that point, cultural norms, and Joseph is the youngest son. You've probably heard of Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Cup. Um, yeah, erase that from your mind, okay? We're not going to uh, bring, bring, bring that up. But Joseph did get a beloved, <laughs> beloved multicolored coat. It was a, it was a cloak. It was a, a favored piece of clothing that he only got. 
He only got. And all of the other brothers despised Joseph because he was significantly important in the eyes of his father. He was the beloved. He was the favored one. And Jacob looked at Joseph and had nothing but affection and joy. Well, you would think Joseph had it made in the shade, and quite literally, he did. But one particular trip, as you can imagine, his brothers weren't that fond of this punk with the multicolored cloak. And so his brothers sold him <laughs> and <laughs> made up an alibi that he died and killed a goat <laughs> and put the blood of the goat on the cloak and took it to his father, Jacob. Yeah, you should read your Bible. It's fascinating. Incredible stories all throughout. But Joseph, in a one moment, one day, less than a 24-hour period, went from favored son to forgotten son. His brothers had sold him, and he finds himself in Egypt, and he begins a 13-year journey. In many ways, the lights had turned out. He only could rely, if you will, on the presence of God, his faith, and his hope for a better future. It went from bad to good, to worse to very good. It's a bit of Joseph's life wasn't, you know, up and to the right. It was a staggering journey, possibly much like your and my life as well. And so I've framed today's message around kind of three thoughts, really You'll be glad to know each of these could be a message in themselves. But there's a Super Bowl tonight, so I won't do that to you. But each of these thoughts, I believe, could be a reassurance for our hearts. I do mean that. When it feels like somebody's turned the lights out, you need to know out the gate you have a Heavenly Father that loves you, that sees you, that knows you by name. And there are seasons in life that he's developing us, he's growing us, and very much can feel like a process, sometimes a very long process. But I hope today my end game is to reassure your hearts that you are known and seen by God and that he loves you. And I'm not making that up out of my own strength or in my own ability, but my hope is to come alongside the voice of the Holy Spirit, that he would touch your hearts he would give you courage. He would give you strength. He would, if I could ask this, that, Lord, you would deliver hope into the lives of your people today. And I also want to come alongside Genesis, the gift of the first book of the Bible for us, to see that time and time and time and time again, despite people's failures, despite people's mistakes, despite the great tragedy of their lives and the sin that they participated in, there was a ridiculously relentless God who drew near to them in every season. The availability of God and the heavens are here among us. It's simple for all who call upon the name of the Lord. And so that's always a prospect. Like that can happen any moment in the message, in any service. You could just wait. Don't even have to wait to the end. You could say, Jesus, I need you. Be near. That's how available God is. It's how available the God of Genesis is. So this first thought, thinking about Joseph, and not to sound like Captain Obvious here, but my first thought is that God goes with Joseph into the fires of life. It's not a difficult phrase to understand. 
It's not a complex theological point. But oh, it is difficult to experience at times. See, Joseph, right after he sold to his brothers, he probably wasn't thinking about, wow, I'm just so grateful God is with me. No, he was feeling the depth of pain, the sting of betrayal. But what we see upon Joseph's arrival is the sovereignty of a good, kind, generous God. That he moves Joseph into a house of Potiphar, one of the leaders in the land of Egypt. And here's what Genesis 39 verse 2, it says this. The Lord was what? With Joseph. So that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Scriptures will go on to say that he even promoted him, even elevated him. Now some tragedy and betrayal would also strike in Potiphar's house. Some trouble would show up knocking at the door. But I do want you to see this. That when Joseph was sold out of the land that was promised, out of the good land, out of the, the, the kind waters, out of the abundance that was Jacob's house, jo Joseph was forsaken, neglected, so to speak. His brothers despised him and his brothers orchestrated, coordinated his subsequent death, if you will. I mean, it's pretty dark. It's it's pretty HBO Max series worthy, somebody. What is happening to Joseph? And the temptation that comes to him, I can only imagine, is the very same temptation that comes to me and has probably knocked on your door or the window of your house, so to speak, when you've gone through a difficult season. It is one of the greatest lies of the enemy of our soul that you have been neglected, that you have been abandoned, and that God has forsaken you. And it's one of the plays of the enemy and that our culture loves to stir up and propagate. Don't depend on God. He's untrustworthy. Don't depend on God. It's one of the lies of the enemy. And that may seem so uh, abstract for your current experience. And I understand that. But you know as well as I do, maybe you don't have to recall 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. Maybe for you it's 5 days ago and you felt that sting. Man, does... Does God really listen? Can God really understand? I mean, what is this? If he's so near me, why? Why this? Why that? I learned long ago as a pastor, I will not answer your why. So many times, I'm that personality, by the way, when something's going on, my first question isn't, hey, God, it's why? And then I get, add a little emotion to it because I'm hungry, a little overtired. So I add one powerful word to the why. Why me? The difficulty, the darkness. God, it sure feels like somebody turned the lights out. How am I supposed to navigate? How am I supposed to move forward? We can reassure our hearts in those moments. Hear this. We reassure our hearts in those moments by the habits we formed, by the discipline. I don't feel like reading God's word, man. I don't feel like showing up to church again. They do this every Sunday. Like every week. And they had small groups do it. My, my Lord, what kind of place is this? You mean God's available every day? 
Well, the reality is that there are just some times that our feelings need to be felt, understood, but it's okay to not entirely trust your feelings every day. And so despite your feelings, you grab that cup of coffee, you open your Bible, you turn to Genesis, say, let me kick around a little bit this story of this man named Joseph. How could God let something like that happen? I don't know all the answers. And part of my joy about Scripture, it doesn't give you a formula. A plus B equals C. No. It time and time again reminds you about the reliability and the nearness of God. Despite what you feel are encountering and experiencing, you can trust that God's word is true and his word over your life has not changed, has not changed. Now, you may be here as well, and you're like, well, Joseph didn't really have a choice. Like, his brothers despised him, and they intentionally messed it up. What about when I am creating my own vortex of consequences and circumstances? I'm sorry, we can't help you. No, I'm kidding. Even in those trials and temptations. You see, if you read deeply of Joseph's story, you'll see that he was crippled by his own pride. I mean, there's a time if you've got some profound dreams, look, you don't share it on Facebook. You certainly may not share it with your brothers or your sisters. You do like Mary, the mother of Jesus, and treasure those things in your heart. And Joseph, though, he went on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter. He went on Twitter just to start an argument. And then TikTok. I mean, he got all of them all. His pride was there. But there are some times I can't, I can't express that there are sometimes in our darkest and deepest moment, can I tell you, God meets us in that place. We would know not from the verses in Genesis, but from verses that would come about 13, 14, 1,500 years later. We know that God's promises are yes and amen. And Paul would even write, Paul would even say that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when you had it together. Not when, man, you started the year off and made seven out of seven Sunday services. No. When you were tripped up from a past you thought you had gotten over. When that same besetting sin that you thought you had conquered reared its ugly head again, and in a moment of stupidity, you participated in something that you had just spent a decade celebrating the victory over. Even then, the mercy of God triumphs over judgment. And the beauty of God is that he comes near. We go back to the beginning of Genesis. Adam and Eve, the sin and the shame they experienced you would have thought it put up a wall between them and God. God was the one who drew near. What did Adam and Eve do? They hid. That's the temptation. But we see clearly God goes with Joseph into the fires of life. So he goes from Potiphar's house. Well, in Potiphar's house, just so happens that Potiphar's wife is all about some Joseph. I'm going to keep this good so we won't go into some, some funnies, I was going to say. Like she had 
Joseph's calendar during his years as a fireman. Uh, okay, yeah, well, I'll just stop. All right, yeah, let's get <laughs> She loved, she lusted, really, is the framework and the phrase over Joseph. And she went to such an extent that after Joseph turned down, honored his master and honored the Lord, submitted, surrendered to his way, somebody, honored his own temple and the temple of even Potiphar's wife, Things that even maybe culturally were acceptable in that day in Egypt's culture. Maybe something that the Egyptians wouldn't have frowned upon. Joseph knew, no, I follow God. I've got to honor his ways, his word, and his life that he's called me to live. And so rejection and betrayal from his brothers turned to rejection and betrayal by Potiphar's wife. She came up with an alibi. One encounter where she was propagating with him, she grabbed his cloak and kept it and created an alibi that landed up infuriating Potiphar, as you can imagine. And then Potiphar cast Joseph into prison. I mean, it's a bad day to a worse day, a tough season to an even harder season. But here's what happens in Genesis 39, verse 21. Go about 20 verses more. It says, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Joseph is finding himself in the the fires of being betrayed, of being lied about. And yet God goes with him. You know, we live in a culture that claims the favor of God sometimes by just what's happening on the exterior. And we believe in the tangible blessings of God. I really do. But one thing you need to know about God's presence is he's also with those that may not have a shiny exterior, may not have the circumstances, may not have the bank account, may not have the favor displayed on all of their tangible areas of life. But as Mother Teresa taught us, God can be found in the lowest of the low, in the forgotten about, the marginalized, the defeated, and the imprisoned. God shows up to Joseph. I love how Paul in Romans 8, 35 through 39, Paul would write who? shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You know, Paul's just going through his laundry list of things he experienced probably that day. (laughs) As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Thanks, Paul. This is really good. Verse 37, it starts turning up. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him. Who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, one of the things I know as a pastor more than music, more than words, more than the very community before us, the friends, That you have or soon will have. The community is the love of God above all else. That when you encounter the love of God 
it changes everything. That's the hard heart that we carry in life. When it encounters the kindness and the Father's love, can I tell you, our hearts of stone turn to hearts of flesh, as Jeremiah talks about. And that's the heart of love that we encounter. And I can't explain because Joseph didn't feel it important enough to list out all the ways he encountered. But he saw something. He heard something that in the pit, in the prison, in Potiphar's, when he faced lies about him, when he faced betrayal upon betrayal, he saw somewhere the seeds of the promises of God. He could see his presence. Why? I believe it's because in the midst of the darkest times, he experienced the love of God. That he didn't put up a wall and say, God, you're not welcome here. When I become the prime minister, like the pastor's next point, when I become the prime minister, well, then I'll see your presence. No, in the pit and in the prison, he understood, man, God's love can meet me in that space. And we must be careful with our disappointments. We've got to be very careful what we do with our pain. I once heard my favorite prophet that I've ever heard or seen or experienced. When he was going through a very difficult season with one of his children who was on their deathbed sick, subsequently recovered, was healed and made whole, he said, hey, one of the greatest mistakes in life is that you can waste your pain. I couldn't agree more. Because the tactic of the enemy is to whisper, you've been forsaken, you've been forgotten. And God, I believe, is encouraging our hearts, and he's reminding us this morning that in the fires of Joseph's life, God could be found. It wasn't just when he had that signet ring interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. No, it was even in the difficult spaces the love of God was encountered. So, that's the first thought. Second thought. It's never too late for a new beginning. It's never too late for a new beginning. Joseph's low point, his valley season, would have an upturn. And it happened in less than 24 hours. He was summoned by someone whose dream he had interpreted in prison. Suddenly remembered what Pharaoh was encountering these dreams upon dreams upon dreams. And none of the sorcerers or magicians of the day could speak into what these dreams meant. The baker, it's always the donut guy. He remembered, hey, 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 I know someone. It's worth a shot. He's in prison. Let's, let's go. And Pharaoh summoned him. And Joseph came. He said, ho, 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 it ain't me. It's him. But perhaps God will look with mercy upon you and give us the interpretation. And so, And one day, (laughs) Joseph goes from prisoner to prime minister. It's pretty ridiculous. But it's the favor in the hand of God in and over his life. Like, I believe you may not be in it now, but you will experience some promotions in your life. And you're like, that's a little ridiculous. And it's the goodness of God. But it's also the plan and purpose of God being established and experienced in your life. And here it is, Genesis 41, 41. After these dreams were interpreted, after it was laid out a plan that Joseph would partner with the supernatural dreams of God and then strategize and said, oh, here's what 
Here's what Pharaoh needs to do, X, Y, and Z. We've got season of plenty, but a season of famine is coming. Pharaoh ought to hire somebody to do X, Y, and Z. And Pharaoh's like, hired. And so, 4141, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. The whole land of Egypt. We use a term, I know I certainly use a term in my life called breakthrough. That's a term I've come to understand. Sometimes that word breakthrough comes up in songs. Sometimes I don't know how else to say it. I just can sense it in my belly, so to speak. Especially after all the food on Super Bowl Sunday. But a breakthrough is something more than what we feel in the natural. It's something that we carry in the inner man, in the spirit. It's after a season of expectancy. A breakthrough is held by hope. It's held by trust. It's held by faith. And sometimes it's very quick. Other times there's a process involved. Life of Joseph, we're going through quite rapidly in this moment. But his valley season was 13 years. Experience, difficulty. But sometimes it's 13 days. Some healings come in 13 seconds. I don't always know how, but I know that it's the truth of God, that it's just never too late for a new beginning. I think of Jesus and his life. We would know this, of course, we're going on about 1,300 years later and skipping several books of the Bible. But this side of the resurrection, we're able to see how staggering the goodness of God is and how a breakthrough is oftentimes what we need. That a woman with the issue of blood healed. Lepers who came with disease healed. Blind men given sight. The very feeding of the 5,000. The remarkable breakthroughs of the heavenly realms into our physical realm. And there's going to be moments in your life where you'll see, man, you'll turn a corner. It's something you, 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 you had hope, you had faith, you just kept sometimes doing the same thing, but trusting God and you'll notice how quickly it just pivoted. Can I tell you, that's amazing when God does those things. I've personally experienced those and that's why I want to encourage you that, hey, guess what? It's never too late for a new beginning. I've seen God do it in friendships. I've certainly seen him do it in marriages. I've even seen him do it with, with kids, with their parents, parents with their kids. That a breakthrough, that just overnight, things just look totally different. I've seen people's finances, experiences, overnight things shift. We can gauge that. We can see that in Joseph's life. And I think about Joseph's journey took 13 years from being sold by his brothers. Some journeys are overnight. Some journeys, they take a little bit. I was kind of intrigued, so I looked up some stories that started later in life. Some of you know very well that, you know, there is um, moments and people that are famous celebrities who didn't get going when they were 14 from the Disney Channel. Things may have hit a little later in life. I was pretty thrown for a loop when I found out Morgan Freeman, somebody was 50 when he started acting. Not 15, not 25. He was 50 
before he got his first big break. 50. One of my favorites, Steve Carell. His story didn't kick in until he was 43, till he was given perhaps the greatest acting role ever. As manager Mike Scott of The Office. Julia Child published her first cookbook at age 50. Isn't that something? All right, I'm going to speak to all the men for a moment. Vera Wang <laughs> entered the fashion industry at 40. It's never too late for a new beginning. I just let that register. Let that, let that hope seed in your heart. You know, if you're not careful, we can become complacent with our expectations. We can become prisoners trapped in a culture that surrounds us. We can get used to hearing a lie so often, so frequently, how things won't work out, how nobody in this family ever did this, how you'll never break free, how you'll always be hounded and hindered. Man, how, how yeah, you don't, you don't need it. Man, God, God's going to let you down. I mean, we, we were good for a season and God just let us down. You, you, could, you could get so engrossed by lies if you let yourself. Or you could shut down those voices and raise the voices of hope. Raise the voices of freedom. Raise the voices of peace. Again, I can't explain it, but somehow when these records were written down in Genesis, included in the story of Joseph, who was not a fun up and to the right story initially. It was betrayal. It was great difficulty. But God wanted to show it's never too late for a new beginning. Hold that in your theology. Like all of us brought to our, uh, uh, our seat today. <laughs> all of us brought to this. The worship team brought it to their mic. They brought it to their instrument today. Now, they may not have been aware of it. The guest services brought it into their roles today. The people upstairs enjoying coffee and a donut, they brought it all up. And here's what A.W. Tozer says. The most important thought you will ever have is your thinking about God. You'll never get beyond your deepest thoughts about God. And many people's God is way too small. His generosity is far too limited. His kindness is only on your good days, not on your bad days. His promotion only comes to people that are well-equipped and well-able. I says, there, there's theology out there. These folks have not read their scriptures. They've certainly not yielded to the Holy Spirit. And one thing I want to encourage you is, in your theology, in your day-to-day -day living, I'm not saying you got to write it down, but maybe I am saying you got to write it down, that you get it before you, that it's never too late for a new beginning. God, it's never too late. There's, there's never too late. It's never too late. Never too late for a new beginning. A friendship that's grown sour or cold or tired. A child that you never thought would come home, never thought they could get into the things of God or serve the Lord. A family member, you've been praying for the salvation. You're like, man, 36 years straight, God. Now is a perfect time to show up. We grow weary. We grow tired. But holding your heart, it's never too late for a new beginning. My last thought, God doesn't cause all things to happen. But he redeems all things. It's most profound of Joseph's story is this thought. It's probably the one I'll spend the least amount of time on today. But it is 
the redemption, the redeeming qualities of God and who God is. He doesn't cause all things to happen. And what I mean by that is some of the trouble you walk through. God, let's be honest, God's your easy blame card. Do you know that? I mean, I'm not meaning to step on your toes. I'm clearly stepping on your neighbor's toes, okay? But God gets the easy blame card. Why? Because I certainly don't want to be blamed for nothing. On sickness shows up. Tough financial consequences show up. Relationship things show up. There are sometimes it has nothing to do with you. And there's also many times it has nothing to do with God. And one of the tactics of the enemy is to get us to blame God. Because when we blame God, we're less likely to lean in during the very season we need to lean in. And Joseph never did that. Joseph held true to who God was. And his promises, and to be honest with you, the dreams that he had spoken to Joseph 13 years prior, he treasured them in his heart. (laughs) As well as promoted them to his brothers, he also treasured them in his heart. And in a beautiful scene of redemption, Joseph faces his brothers. And he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. It's the redemption of God in the midst of our circumstances. That's another one I encourage you to always keep in your relationship with the Lord. It's never too late for a new beginning, but know this. That there have been circumstances you've had to endure in life. There's been seasons you've had to endure in life. You need to know that some of them are orchestrated from the enemy of your soul. Others of them are just part of being in our culture and being in our life and in our world. Some things we caused. But one thing you can know about God is that he is a way, Romans 8, 28, of working all things together. All things. Not just the good days, but the bad days. The wasted seasons, or so we thought. God is faithful for his promises in and through your life. Amen.